I am the most censored man in all of America today. The original, Joshy Cox. And I am loud. And I am proud. I am proud to be an American patriot. I am proud to be a voice of patriots and a voice for freedom. And I am proud to be leader of Joshua Hollicks worldwide. And that is a full-time job every day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Sometimes it feels like 27 hours a day. And that's kind of how the feeling I, I receive and the feeling that uh, overcomes me when trying to expose corruption. Being a critical thinker, not a conspiracy theorist, although I will take that, that label. That is fine. I, I've been called that by um, you know, many of my adversaries, uh, basically liberals. Uh, out there throughout the world, but in, in all reality, it's, it's called being a truth seeker. It's called being a free thinker and a free uh, speaker because I am free to speak what I think. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is protected, at least for now, by the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. God bless the Constitution, because that's what I am. I am a... Uh, I am a... Cons- a conservative, I am a constitutionalist. I no longer consider myself to be a Republican. In fact, I had uh, changed my party affiliation and my voter registration uh, back just after the crowning, if you will, of Kevin McCarthy uh, into the speaker seat in the 118th Congress when he replaced Nancy Pelosi. Because I did not agree with that move. I did not want him to be speaker. I think when times get tough, I think he's actually a a coward. I think he cowers away. I don't think he has a backbone whatsoever. I think that he will sell out very quickly. I I believe that wholeheartedly. He is a, uh, a member of the establishment Republicans as far as I'm concerned. Which places him in the same rankings as a Mike Pence, a, a Paul Ryan, for example, a John McCain, a Mitt Romney, uh, a George H.W. Bush, a George W. Bush, a, a Dick Cheney, a Liz Cheney. And ladies and gentlemen, those are all individuals that I do not care to have any affiliation with uh, as friends or colleagues, that, you know, or even as somebody that I would look at as a representative or an elected leader, if you want to call them that. I don't call them leaders. I, I think that's a whole, a whole other conversation, a whole other day. Uh, is the fact that we are giving, we are given choices. We don't, we don't uh, supply the choices. We're given choices, and most of those people, those choices end up being predetermined. And you know, it's it's really hard to uh, be grassroots when we don't take the initiative to make sure that our people, our candidates, like ourselves, are are being thrown into the mix. But that's here nor there. But like I said, I am a constitutionalist. I do not agree with uh, a lot of the ways of the. Um, the standard establishment Republicans, I guess you could say, the Republicans uh, in general. Number one, most of them uh, are warmongers, and I am not. I understand why they are. I understand how they make money and uh, throughout the military-industrial complex and with the defense contractors. I, I totally get it. But that is not the place. That's not uh, – that was not established – I mean, it might have been established so certain people make money uh, you know, off the top, but that really shouldn't have been 
a reason for establishing such. And we end up supplying arms to, you know, we fund both sides of every war. It seems like it supplies uh, arms all over the world. So we get rich off every conflict. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense why we go and we instigate most of those conflicts. We have our hands and our noses meddling into everything around us. It's disgusting, okay? Absolutely disgusting. But like I said, I am a, a constitutionalist. I believe uh, I have a steadfast uh, belief in the American Constitution, the United States Constitution. I think it was drafted beautifully. And I know some people will say it wasn't uh, concise in some ways, but we also have to consider the time period. And, I mean, it's not who's to say that there won't be more amendments to be made. There already have been amendments. They have been ratified uh, throughout the years. And I'm sure it, it won't be the last time we'll see that happen once again. Do I agree with that? Not so much. Um, I really don't like the whole process of the Supreme Court either. And I, I see the importance of the Supreme Court. I really do. But I don't like the process of, uh, you know, like Roe v. Wade. I'm actually a, a uh, proponent of that being overturned. I'm glad that it was overturned. I believe in not abortion rights. I believe in baby rights. I believe that babies' lives matter. I do not believe in the practices and the rituals that are performed to uh, perform some of those abortions, especially the late-term abortions, some already born alive, and then, you know, what happens next. And I, I uh, speak out feverishly against uh, that activity. However, you know, it is a kind of uh, it compromises the integrity of the Constitution. I guess you could say when one moment, you know, years ago you have Roe v. Wade, now the next moment, and I can I understand it. More evidence being uh, brought forward, we've learned more, we've educated ourselves more, we've seen more uh, events and activities take place uh, that we can learn from as examples. I understand that, but if we we keep uh, flip flopping and rearranging things too much, it, there's going to be no credibility. But then that's exactly what. The Uniparty wants. And when I say Uniparty, I think we all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the establishment Republicans, the deep state Democrats, they're all in it together. And then they grandstand on TV, they make their YouTube videos, and, you know, they really drive up their marketability and their, their branding for themselves, their personal branding, so they can sell their merchandise online. They can get the big bucks to go speak. I, they're only supposed to make a certain amount of money while serving in, in say, Congress or Senate. Uh, I think $27,000 a year additional uh, income that you're allowed to be able to show in terms of using your position, I guess you could say, as being like a keynote speaker uh, somewhere for a speaking engagement. And I tell you what, that's another one. that, that That's just insane, the amount of money that some of these people get paid for a one, you know, not even maybe an hour. I'm not sure if anyone has seen what uh, prices are being charged for somebody the, the likes of uh, of Ben Shapiro, and he owns, of course, uh, you know the Daily Mail. And when, when I saw or heard him, actually, what did I saw? I, it, it's fact because I heard it come out of his mouth. I saw it, and somebody asked him. And you know, they do a lot of uh, college campus events. And it, it is kind of funny in a sense because so many people end up uh, these you know kids that are just the, the today's generation. It's, it's sad. It's very sad. But in any event, these kids go out there and they think that they're going to school somebody uh, because they took you know their first college exam, and it comes down to experience, life experience, and these kids get destroyed by these people, and they pay money to go see this and have that happen to them. What in the hell is wrong with America? 
but I saw at uh, an event where something similar to it where Ben Shapiro was standing there and there was a reporter uh, close by next to him with a microphone and uh, the one college kid ends up like yelling out and asked him how much he got paid to do that event. And he told him, he said, I, I'm not going to tell you exactly what I got paid. He said, uh, I can tell you this. I, it wasn't nearly as much as what I normally would get paid, but I gave a discount to come to this university to, to perform and put on a show for you people. So he said, and trust me, it's not anywhere near what I could usually command. And then I saw him talk later about commanding typically uh, in upwards of $100,000 per appearance. Well, shit, sign me up. That's what I'm talking about. He gets to go to a lot of these liberal universities and, um, you know, institutions of higher learning, as some of them like to uh, call themselves. And he basically has a bunch of naysayers and know-it-all liberals, uh, the whiny kids, you know what I mean? Um, and they get up and they try to debunk things and they, they think they know more than what he does. And Ben Shapiro, I'm not a big fan of Ben Shapiro, but I will say he's very knowledgeable. And I will say that his intellect is, uh, there's no comparison, he, you know. Anyone else would probably pale in comparison uh, to what Ben Shapiro has going on upstairs. He he really is uh, that good. Uh, if you take a look at you know his course studies and what he was able to do and achieve academically, and um, yeah, and he comes from very smart parents and successful parents at that. So, but a hundred thousand. I don't care who you are. You don't deserve a hundred thousand dollars to go speak for an hour or two, and then slam a bunch of college kids, whether they're little you know yuppie liberal whiny kids or not. You know, and you get paid to put these people in your place and embarrass them. Like, how did I miss out on that job? Seriously. You know, Ben, if you want to throw me that big contract that you uh, had turned down here not too awful long ago from the uh, dude, um, you know, from the place. Look, I, I thought it, I thought about it. I looked over um, the terms of the contract. Uh, I know it wasn't offered to me, but I would, I would be willing to, to help you guys out. I would be willing to take that contract. You know, fill that void that you know you're hoping to have that roster spot filled. Um, and honestly, I think I'm probably more talented anyway. So yeah, I know I know. I just said I've never been a big fan of yours, Ben. But yeah, you know, call me. It's not about fandom. It, it's about let's make that money. Now, and I, I really you know, what I don't like about it's not that I don't know Ben Shapiro on a personal note uh, on a personal level. So you know, I, you can't take that. You have to take that with a grain of salt when I say things like that. It's I don't like his I guess you could say his demeanor that uh, the the character that you get to see when he takes to the stage. Do I think it's it's brilliant and I, I love it and I stand up and cheer at home in my living room or in my bedroom when I'm watching a YouTube video or a reel on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok wherever and it's Ben Shapiro and he's completely just owning these whiny kids. Absolutely, I applaud. Absolutely, I cheer. I tried to do a backflip last year and end up throwing my back out and I had to like go have physical therapy and stuff. Like I, I celebrate that stuff. The same as when you know his employee Candace Owens, uh, when she does those things and then she works for the same company, obviously. So, um, and they, there's events where they all go on one time. And I can't even imagine the uh, you know, the monstrosity, um, the exorbitant amount of money that that would be costing. What I don't like about Shapiro, like I said, it's kind of his character, his demeanor. Uh, maybe it's just that dry sense of humor. I don't know. That That's what I don't care for. I really don't. I, I feel like sometimes he can be an elitist and he can be a little bit neurotic. And that's just a, that's my opinion. You know, it doesn't mean that that's correct or that's accurate. Um, one of the other things I don't like, which, I mean, I, honestly, that didn't have a huge bearing on me, per se. Um, 
That did. Uh, the, the one I'm thinking of that actually comes to mind uh, very quickly and easily would actually be his distaste uh, for Donald Trump. And he's been very outspoken about that throughout the years. Here's what I don't like. He looks like a hypocrite then because he comes from the conservative uh you know, the conservative roster of America. He is a Republican, a conservative, whatever he wants to call himself. But you can tell that his, you know, his allegiance um, lines up very well with that of the right. And that don't bother me at all. Like I said, I'm a constitutionalist. Just because I'm no longer a Republican and I changed my uh, my party affiliation, you know, does not mean anything else that has no bearing on, you know, me not wanting somebody else to be a fan of the Republicans. Uh, I was a Republican, like I said. It's just I don't support the maniacal, um, just boostering, elevating themselves and the, the money funnels that are taking place. Uh, the, you know, they're, they're two-faced. Nobody's true. I don't trust any of them. So that that was kind of one of the things that did me in with, with the Republicans, honestly. And in the fact that we also still have nothing. In place, I know Georgia. You know they have a few things that they were able to put together into a bill or whatever for election integrity. But realistically, as a nation, and I know the states handled their elections, but I still think there there should have been some sort of a precedent, which uh, you know didn't give the states a choice of how to you know choose what machines, whatever. I don't want the machines there to begin with. But as far as I'm concerned, the Republicans have done absolutely nothing uh, in terms of free and fair elections and restoring. Uh, if we ever had integrity in our elections, I was going to say restoring uh, election integrity, but I'm not sure we ever did. I mean that. I mean, we have found out, and without the exact words being uh, uttered by somebody like a, uh, a John Durham or whoever, we basically know, and I found this out back in 2020, and it was actually kind of stated or they elaborated on certain issues and alluded to uh, in the Horowitz um, cliff notes from crossfire hurricane investigations and you know hearings and so on and so forth, that, yes, there was Russian collusion and foreign interference in terms of election interference or, you know, are dealing with the affairs of our elections here in the United States. But it was not Donald Trump, which we already knew that. But, and, you know, according to Horowitz, everything that was laid out in that regard and, you know, in respect to him, I think his report sounded pretty much the most spot on. It was rigged. Barack Obama was not ready to, uh, you know, easily hand the keys to the palace over, so to speak. The only way we were going to see a smooth transition for the White House was going to be if Barack Obama were transitioning to Hillary Clinton, and I'm not sure they both might have transitioned at some point in their lives. I, it's whatever, you know, teach your own, I guess. Oh, no. oh thank you. I guess that was uh, Obama's wife to transition. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, and Obama had this uh, elaborate plan, and the plan was it goes deeper than just making up this Russian collusion hoax, so it goes far deeper. And it goes far deeper than just a letter from the CIA being endorsed by 51 individuals or whatever the number ended up being to try to uh, distract attention away from voters uh, and attention away from Joe Biden's crackhead-smoking perverted son 
um, Hunter Biden and the Hunter Biden, Biden laptop story. It goes a lot further than that. And by the way, they met at Aspen, uh, Aspen Institute. Why is nobody looking up Aspen Institute? And I'm not saying this for that one occurrence either. When they have specific, and they, if you could say that they do it for every single country, I would be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get it. Cool. But they don't. They have specific uh, institutions just for a an elite uh, few members or countries, I guess you could say. And they're all countries that uh, American politicians have either had illegal, dirty money uh, business transactions involved with, or they have a you know, a fake philanthropy front throwing into um, <clears throat> Africa, Ukraine, <clears throat> anyway, China, but we all know that China was a payroll for those people to start those other things up. So I, I can't help but to think that there could possibly, especially considering the caliber of people that are involved in this Aspen Institute, it's a think tank. I mean, that, that's what think tanks are, is it, it's basically like a legalized mafia in a way. It's an elite group. So why is Aspen Institute uh, not being investigated when they held that meeting uh, involving the CIA, involving Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook and Meta, involving Jack Dorsey at Twitter? Why is nobody researching them and seeing about you know, all their initiatives and all their programs that are dealing with Ukraine and Ukrainian children? They seem to have a, an obsession with uh, that in a sense, almost like CYM and Cor- uh, CYN Corp. And then Jeff Bezos is involved, and his parents are involved, and it's just it's it spells disaster. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is involved. It is a new world order think tank. But the, anyway, back to the, the whole Russian collusion. Obama uh, had that idea, but not only all this having to do with the meeting at Aspen and the CIA writing a letter and John Brennan being tied into it and involved. It is my understanding that they actually had. An electric uh, or electronic vote tabulation machine scam set up, which we know we saw in, in real time in, in the 2016 and 2020 elections. We saw it in 2018. And by God, I saw it in Pennsylvania uh, here in 2022 in the midterm elections, but it was for the governor's race of Pennsylvania between Josh Shapiro and Doug Mastriano when you see the vote dump. We also saw it in the uh, recall elections that were uh, between uh, current California Governor Gavin Newsom, the, uh, the nephew of crazy drunken Pelosi and uh, Larry Elder in real time. We watched those votes dump and that was the elaborate scam that they were going to be pulling and that they attempted to pull with everything else that was going on uh, in 2016. It is my understanding that what had happened was, which we have, we've seen uh, other evidence supporting um, defaults and, you know, malfunctions of these machines since my understanding is that they were programmed. These machines were programmed. I mean, not just we, the American people, but the machines were programmed. Um, I'm not sure exactly if it was programmed by Russians in 2016 or uh, what countries, uh, IT and tech groups, uh, had, you know, handled that responsibility in 2016, but they ended up having, if you remember correctly in the elections early on in the night, especially up until like eight o'clock uh, Eastern time anyway, Hillary Clinton was, you know, every time you saw her on TV when they were showing her at headquarters and blah, 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 everywhere she went out and, you know, was trying to put her face and her ugly name out there. I mean, her ugly face and name, same thing, um, 
she thought it was in bag because she knew the program, obviously. It was Obama that went to her and suggested it, but he couldn't just sign off on it because that, that really does go against standard procedure. Uh, it, it would just be considered kind of rude, for one, um, to, to orchestrate something like this without making the candidate aware or receiving their blessing. And he went to her to receive that blessing, and that's exactly what they received. Um, but he was the brainchild of this, and she was cruising right along. And I thought to myself uh, that night, as I would... I went a couple places after work that I had to make some appearances at, and um, one was the American Legion. Uh, I went in there, and I'm watching, I'm looking up on the TV, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, this don't look good. Oh, my God, this don't look good. And I wasn't even into politics you know, that much at that point in time. In fact, I didn't keep my own word. I said from back in early 2000s or late 90s, uh, if Donald Trump would ever run for president, because I had listened to so many of his interviews, and he very, he really did seem eligible. And I'm not going to say that he didn't ever do anything to uh, benefit himself, because I think they all do. I think I would probably be the only true person in the world that could say that they wouldn't, just because I would love to see this country flourish and be run properly and, and be that template. I'd have to take a salary, unlike Trump, because, you know, I don't make that kind of money and I'd have to, if I was going to be giving up four years of my life at least or eight, I would have to, uh, I'd have to be paid. But, uh, my, my God, for me, <laughs> if I made a hundred thousand dollars a year, I wouldn't know how, to, I wouldn't know how to react. I wouldn't know how to act with myself. Like I, I would just be that so far beside myself. Uh, cause that's, you know, it's not, uh, just a drop in a bucket for me. <laughs> that, that would be like a career record. So, uh, goes without saying, but it really, it, it made sense, everything that he would say at different times. And honestly, for the most part, he did keep up with that. Now, I, I couldn't hold him accountable, especially now, because I know a lot more than I did back then. Uh, but I said that I would vote. I said, I quit voting. Uh, I had quit voting after the 2008 election. Or no, I'm sorry, the 2004 election. I did not vote in 2008. I quit voting in presidential elections or any type of federal government election in 2004. That was my final one. My my first uh, official vote in a presidential election in a major election was my senior year of high school. That was the year I turned 18, and I was able to vote in the Bush Gore election. We saw how that ended up. That was being rigged. Um, now, I've, I, I admit I, I voted uh, for, for the idiot. Uh, I voted for George W. Bush. You're picking the, the, you know, the lesser of two evils. Choose your poison. And that's what's wrong with the entire elections process, the electoral process here in the United States, is they put up somebody from the Uniparty, both sides, so no matter what, their agenda is going to be executed and carried out. We saw that in 2008 with, with Obama and uh, with John McCain, one of the biggest rhinos that ever existed. And I, I voted for uh, Bush in 2000. Then I see that you know elections were, that was definitely signs of rigging. I think they used other methods to rig elections in the past, especially when it came to the Electoral uh, College. Um, you know, the tabulation machines were somewhat of a new thing. It's my understanding that they that did not become a regular mainstream practice in America uh, in terms of using that for election uh, fraud until 2012. That's just speculation. I, I do have some great reports uh, and evidence I can back that up with, but uh, that's here nor there. We can do that another time. But, yeah, that was my first election experience, and then we don't even get our president. Uh, and at the time, I was still young and naive, so, yeah, that's who I voted for. I wanted Bush, and then I find out I voted, first time voting, and I don't even get to have the man that won that I voted for. I don't even get to have him as my president, you know, for so many months down the road because the selection process never got finalized until, I forget how late it was, 
you know, because of the mis uh, the recounts and everything else that took place in Florida, of course, you know, I should have known then, Jeb Bush was uh, governor of Florida at the time, but, and was handling elections, that was uh, an obvious one. But again, I was naive and still very uh, green and wet behind the ears. Second time I voted in a major election would have been the following presidential uh, election in 2004 between, again, picking a lesser of two evils. And that was a race between, of course, uh, the incumbent George W. Bush, who ended up being victorious, uh, earning himself re-election for a second term against none other than John Kerry, uh, one of the world's greatest idiots. But, hey, you know, hey, he's a uh, he's a climate change czar now. So, you know, Mr. King globalist, um, they just keep handing him off different positions. He was a United States senator at one point in time. Um, he was also a, uh, what, a, a general or whatever in the military. Um, he was a presidential candidate. He was also a, uh, a secretary of state, obviously, um, under the uh, Obama administration. And then I think his little feelings were a little bit hurt by Mr. Biden and, well, basically uh, whoever's in the CIA and the Council of Foreign Relations that makes those decisions of who was going to be filling out cabinet uh, positions, or they didn't want to drag his name to the mud when they went for total chaos with him, you know, appointing the likes of uh, a Xavier uh, Becerra or a uh, Alejandro Mayorkas or, you know, one of those uh, Nimrods. I can't say I blame them, you know, I, I guess they're protecting their own with, with uh, Kerry. But yeah, the, the elections are just, it, it's insane. And that, that put a bad taste in my mouth immediately. But from what my my understanding, and I'm not claiming this to be a fact, is from what I have invested my, myself, my own independent research into, and some, a good bit of time was, you know, they saw a, an, a voter turnout like they never imagined. Uh, went well beyond their expectations in California. California, traditionally, you know as well as I do, if you've ever paid attention at all to presidential elections, California is a predominant blue, Democrat, liberal, loving state. And it sucks because I think parts of California are beautiful. I finally visited California last year in August for the very first time. Maybe my only time. Who knows? Uh, especially if this agenda, the agendas of uh, 21, 25, and 30 are end up being successful. It probably will definitely be my only time. Um but, you know, I went to San Diego, by the way, uh, northern San Diego County. I uh, stayed in around uh, Carlsbad and Coyote Country, and that was that was amazing. It was fucking amazing. It really was. And I would do anything in the world to live there and to be able to have, like, a, a job opportunity where I could move and know that I have everything set up and waiting. And that I couldn't even, like, imagine what that would be like. Um, just, just beautiful. And But then, you know, you have Gavin Newsom as your governor. Or, God, I hate to even say this, but possibly someday future president. That's a problem with stolen elections and why we need election reform, people. Uh, but my understanding was they, they had this big turnout in California. They had a big turnout everywhere. I mean, 2016 had set records at that point. They had not had a voter turnout like that. Uh, maybe Obama, I think. Um, you know, and, and that's because he, he was a different breed as well. Not a different breed, but, you know, Obama was that he was the first, you know, African-American, the first black president. Um, so obviously it wouldn't matter. Yeah, I know there's people, you know, white Christians, uh, probably uh, legalized citizens. You know, everybody was going out to vote for Obama because this was a whole new um, whole new design, a whole new idea. It was all fresh and it was new. And that, that sells. A lot of times that's what sells. Look at the Clinton uh, election when he was elected president uh, over George 
H.W. Bush. I mean, yeah, they brought in Perot to guarantee that they would be able to swing that, you know, the independent vote or whatever. But that's because they really needed, you know, there was a time for the changing of the guard and both people, both parties agreed to it. Um, but at the same time, Clinton would have won regardless. He was fresh. He was new. He was hip. He was younger uh, at that point. I think um, other outside of John F. Kennedy, wasn't Clinton, uh, I believe, the, the youngest president, I think, outside of, of JFK at the time. Um, but still getting sidetracked here. It, they had just such out, outstanding, amazing numbers in voter turnout. But just like any other programmed digital computer system, which is why digitalization of the world is not good, people. Uh, I am uh, definitely an adversary of that, and I'll never advocate for it. We did just fine with pens and paper for many, many years. Hell, cavemen did it with the stones and, you know, chisels. So, but the fact of the matter is, it, they malfunctioned, and they were set up, and they were designed, and you saw that, actually, because we watched it in a lot of time, in real time, uh, early on. I saw votes getting dumped, and so did many, many people across the country watching on live television on all the major network spots. And you're seeing Hillary starting to really pump this lead out. And she's, like, running away, like, landslide. She's celebrating. She's happy. She thinks, you know, the, the world's just going to be the greatest thing ever for her. And it would have been. Uh, you know, right away she was thinking she'd pardon herself for all the murders and uh, the emails and Benghazi. But anyway, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. And all of a sudden, the voter turnout in California was so much more. I mean, it was a huge turnout in every state all across the, the board, but California was even that much further ahead in terms of overall number and increase from the prior years, from year, you know, year over year type of uh, data analysis. And what that did was it caused a malfunction. It, it was not able to handle the processing of that much data. And instead of dumping the votes to Hillary, they just, the votes remained with the candidates that they were intended to remain with. The, the people that they were voting for, that's who they got, which is the way a free and fair election should work. So Trump received the votes that he, he received, and that's what got counted. And then from there, it, it was like, oh, Hillary. And you could just see the look of concern that come over her face. And, and, I mean, really, John Podesta, he was probably thinking at that point with his reputation, my God, they're going to eat me alive. I'll, they'll probably send me to Gitmo. Yeah, I, I'm still waiting for that because I don't understand why they haven't yet, especially when you see what the type of decorations and, you know, the symbolism that he uh, supports and, and participates in or likely participates in. It's his, the the paintings and, and the artwork that the decor of his home, it's just disgusting. But, yeah, that's, that's how that worked. And it, it was all planned, and it was through Russia. That's why, in, in a sense, I don't know, I, like, there's a big part of me that I, I support Putin. I, I don't want to really take sides in any war, because war's never good. But at the same time, I also, I don't believe what is fed to me by CNN, or ABC, or MSNBC, NBC, CNBC, uh, you know, CBS, New York Times, uh, Washington Post. I don't, I don't believe any of that propaganda. It's all promulgated bullshit. I do my own research. I, I conduct my own investigations. And if you're smart uh, and you're able to process things and you're able to, again, think creatively, think openly, be a free thinker, you know what kind of questions to ask in a search engine, 
when you're searching through browsers, you know what type of terminology to use and what keywords to use, so you can get past, you know, everything else that is basically being shadow banned from from viewing eyes. The truth that, that they don't want to come out, you can find it. You really can, and especially if you know the certain uh, areas in terms of even government. Um, now, you'll probably, if it's anything like... Uh, the, any files that have been released about JFK's assassination, anything that's really meaningful that people are still alive that can pay a major uh, a penalty for and really do some time or worse, <clears throat> that's going to be all redacted. And, and they're going to have, like, one sentence, and it's all just going to be all, like, black marker with, like, a little tiny, like, piece of white that might be, like, three words out of a sentence, and that's going to be your file because that's how that's how they do it. And if you're going to redact things like that, I don't even see what the point is. Like, that's just... A waste of time, and it's just a big letdown. False advertisement. Come on, feds. But, I mean, my God, why are they not? And I don't understand. It's crystal clear. Obama rigged it. That's what I was going to say about the wars. I don't I don't agree with war regardless. Now, in, in Putin's case, I've done my homework. NATO is not who people think they are. People are still kind of stuck in it, and it sucks. Now, I think that I've seen a, a very large awakening that has taken place across the country. I, I have. Not only across the country, but across the world. In fact, I am so proud of those in France, the people, not the not the leaders. I don't have two seconds of time for Emmanuel Macron. No, none. Uh, but I, I just feel so, like Brazil, I know what they feel like. Uh, not Maybe not to, that, to the fullest extent, um, you know, because, but yeah, in a way I do, because they have... Con- we just didn't know we were being contaminated for so long. And then they, they finally have a president that they liked, you know, a president for the people that were, you know, he was, he was open and he was honest. He said, look, that's what we have to do. Go out and buy firearms. You need to arm yourself while you have a chance to and overcome what has happened in the past, because that's your only way that's going to beat the communist movement. That's trying to take me out and, you know, install themselves back in. I mean, they, for God's sake, the president before, they had, you know, what happened here recently, uh, back in October, or September, October of 2022, took place in Brazil with elections. Bolsonaro gone. And the guy that takes his place was already there once before. He's serving a major sentence in prison. But suddenly he gets released by a, uh, like a Brazilian Supreme Court judge who says that, you know, there was whatever happened in the trial was unfair and evidence and blah, 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 or a statute of limitation would say, I don't know, I forget the exact details that don't matter because you could smell corruption written all over it. And that's what I think about NATO. I, I think people need to continue to, you know, evolve in their awakening and continue to help educate others. Don't don't be in your face and don't force it down their throat because that's when we end up losing those people because they get stressed out. A lot of these people are very naive. They're, they're timid. Um, you know, they're meek and mild and there's a certain approach and I don't want to brainwash them either. Don't, don't force them to see things. Don't make them hear things, provide it, leave it at their doorstep, whatever, and walk away. Let them do it on their own. And that way nobody can say that it's coercion or the power of persuasion, just make it available. Just show an alternative route of thinking. I don't want the world to think exactly like me. That would be scary. (laughs) Trust me, that would be fucking scary. I just want people to challenge themselves to not believe what the government tells you because no government is here to help. I don't care if it's in America, Brazil, Russia, Ukraine, where it is. None, none, none. 
They are here to empower themselves and continue their process, their prosperous journey. That is what they're here for. And it comes off the backs of labor, the sweat, the blood, the tears, the poverty, the frustration, the angst of the constituencies. So you can't trust what they're telling you. And they have the media taken care of because of the CIA. That's the other thing. I don't think people understand exactly how the CIA runs. And I would love to teach it, because I do. But they got the media. You can't believe what you hear on the 5 o'clock news. You can't believe what which, uh, comes up, you know, endorsed most likely by Google or by Microsoft, especially with Samsung. You have a Samsung phone, or depending on what your laptop is. You can't trust those, those pop-up news stories that they're, they're clickbait for one. And it's so one-sided. I don't see how anybody is not has not figured that out yet and seen it. I will give some conservative uh, members of the press some some credit. Now, once in a while, they gotta they have a right to you know after everything that they've been through with abuse and basically told that you know, had the whole world told that they're liars and thieves and crooks and cheats or whatever. Yeah, you know, they they deserve to be able to spike the football once in a while when they score. But you know, I I see still each week where there's still journalistic integrity. It's it's not very it's not common it's very seldom anymore but i do see it and it usually is by a either a uh a non-biased or a uh bipartisan neutral or conservative uh press syndicate and they present a story and it's not screaming it, it's not trying to tie your arm behind your back to make you read it uh it's not you know, that heavy of one side or the other it just provides a head a headline it, it's intriguing, and it tells you it's worth reading. And I have seen some. Like I said, it's it's not a common thing anymore. It's uh, it's dying art, unfortunately. But I have seen it. But you can't believe it because of the way that it is with the other side. It left it, and the way the media is, it's bought and paid for because uh, all the think tanks and all the, the corporate executives and the elite, they, they're all a part of one big happy family, basically. Many of them are Zionists. And before somebody wants to lash out and call me anti-Semitic, because I'm not, I don't hate people. I don't hate anyone. I love people. I want humanity to rally and bulldoze this new world order. This this pack of mad, hungry hyenas. Is, uh, no, I guess that would be Kamala Harris. But anyway, you know, these sharks, these vultures of the globalist elite, that doesn't have to do with being a Republican or a Democrat, because again, I'm not I'm not a Republican anymore. I switched to the Constitution Party. I'm about freedom. That's what I'm about. I am about freedom. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, just like you see the bumper stickers and the t-shirts and the posters all over the place spreading across America now, my freedoms and my rights don't end where your feelings start. Get it in check. Read between the lines. That's what I'm for. I am for people and I am for freedom and freedom being enjoyed by everybody. And freedom does not mean that you do not have to follow laws and procedures. Freedom does not mean you just dive bomb across the Rio Grande and bring drugs and, and sex trafficking and weapons into our country. That does not mean freedom. I'm sorry. People say, well, you didn't have to do that. You're right. I was born where I was born and you don't see me running to Germany and trying to do those things either, do you? That's my response for that.
I am loud and I am proud and I don't I don't give a damn right now if you can turn it off, off the dial, that's fine. You'll either love me or you'll hate me or you'll love to hate me. Either way, you have to give me a little bit of a, a pat on my back and some credibility because I speak it and that's what I believe in. I'm firm in my convictions. I will not be compromised. I see it for what it is. Simple as that. And that's, again, getting back to the elections. You know, there, there's got to be some sort of a reform in place. There's got to be a reform in place. And here, here's the one I, I absolutely just, I, it's astounding to me. It's astonishing. I guess you could say, I'm not sure which one would be a better uh, adjective to use, but uh, disenfranchised voters by mandating a government-issued photo ID to vote. Oh, okay. That that makes no sense to me whatsoever. That we are disenfranchising the black community, uh, indigenous people, um, you know, Latinos, God only knows who else. I don't know. Serbians, <laughs> they probably vote in our elections. I don't know. They actually did participate in 2012 when they programmed um, tabulation machines, but that's whatever. Uh, to the past, but uh, either way, no, there's nothing about requiring an ID to vote that will disenfranchise voters. You put a, a system in place, you make it a national law and a national requirement, and you put it all over the media because you, you have control of the media everywhere else, so you put it all over the media, and then there's no surprises. So there's nobody showing up at the voter pools and being turned away because, oh, I didn't know I needed one. Bullshit. You can put a big ad campaign and slogan on the side of the city buses and up on the, the bulletin boards. And I mean, come on, people. There's no way, and they're saying that it's targeting the you know the lower class society, and that's who it will disenfranchise. That and the people of a different race. In in terms of you know, disenfranchising voters now. And if you're going to use the lower class as your example, then here's my rebuttal. Guess what? You have to have a government-issued photo ID for, and you know this has to speak to you know a, a large portion of the lower class. That's what lower class is. Um, you know they don't just lower is not just a clever nickname. It actually means you're know, rich. I mean, come on. You have to have that government-issued photo ID to go receive government benefits. I don't care if it's food stamps. I don't care if it's a cash assistance. I don't care if it's SNAP. I don't care if it's WIC checks, or that's what we have in Pennsylvania anyway. Uh, women with infant children to receive formula, milking, you know, diapers, all that sort of thing. Eggs, cereal. Um, <clears throat> you, you have to have a, a government photo ID for all that. Now you have to have a, a, a government-issued photo ID and a facial recognition scan for state unemployment benefits. That we pay for, that I paid into. That's how it is in Pennsylvania anyway, because, yeah, they want to have that, that facial recognition for their uh, their social credit system. Keep that in mind. For the smart cities, they're already establishing them. You know, even the, the crazy, off, you know, out-of-their-mind liberals that live in Portland, Oregon, and uh, this, overall just in the state of Oregon. I mean, there's a few good people out there, don't get me wrong, but uh, Washington State... Yeah, out around Seattle area, there's already people that started establishing these smart cities. I mean, not full, you know, 
they're not into it the full way yet. There's still a lot of work to be done and different infrastructure, whatever. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but they are starting to set up, uh, you know, the other parts of it, the other aspects in terms of surveillance, all the smart technology, cameras and sensors all over the streets and in your street lamps and in, you know, everywhere. Anything that you may use outside on the street in your daily commute or your daily walk or whatever in your little um, encampment maze that's going to be your smart city. There are already people uh, and officials in the Portland, Oregon, Oregon area that they thought this was all a great idea, too. They were all, you know, hugging their trees and, you know, their, their Clark's uh, or Klaus Schwab dolls, you know, they were. They were praising him and rituals and telling him how much they love him and stuff before they went to bed every night, like they like Christians would, uh, Jesus. And um, they they all of a sudden they they realize like what's up. Like I think it it finally set in. Like wow, they're counting even every footstep that every citizen of this entire area canvases. They are watching literally who you meet with. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, come on. They've been doing that already. They've been doing it for years. Have they? Why is it such a progressive step? And why is it of such a significance and importance to these people to put these smart cities in place? And, I mean, it is, it's an urgency. And there's a, a great uh, reason and rationale that I can offer for that. It actually it's very it's spiritual and scientific. It, there's a lot involved in it. But this agenda that was set off track... It was delayed, if you will, postponed um, for four years, obviously. And uh, I'm not going to say a full four years because they were still able, you know, once they took control of the House and, you know, and Senate and they, they were able to do things, that's when I realized, like, you know, President Trump at a wall. And that's when I realized that, you know, the president is just really, it's just a, a figure person. It, it's a public figure. It's not... You know, I saw how powerless really he was and how much more power Congress and Senate has over him. And so does the CIA. And that's what people don't realize is the CIA calls everything. CIA and Council of Foreign Relations, the military industrial complex, the uh, the intelligence community industrial complex. It's very secret that nobody knows about. JSOC, that is a president's own personal secret military. And I'll go over all these things in the coming episodes of Welcome to the Masquerade. I guarantee I will. And I can use visuals. I can do all kinds of things so you can see for yourself the design and the structure and how this whole thing works. And I bet you any money, I'll actually make you a believer or you'll be considering it until it's all said and done. Because you know, there, there's a time my dad taught me once. Uh. God rest his soul. Um, my dad passed away in 2008. Uh, suicide, actually. Um, he had a permanent spinal cord condition. His organs were deteriorating rapidly uh, from other conditions and heart surgeries and so on and so forth. Diabetes. But uh, my dad taught me once, and my mom used to laugh at him because, you know, my dad would believe he believed in ghosts. My dad believed in aliens. Uh, my dad, he, you know, I guess he would have been back then before they had the term or the label conspiracy theories. I guess, you know, some people might have uh, slapped him with that label, whatever. But no, he was a free thinker. He was willing to think with an open mind. And he just had a certain, an uncanny sense to know. Um, he trusted his intuition. And I think I got my father's intuition, to be honest with you. 
and he told me a long time ago, uh, he said, for one, he said, if there is an idea, he said, you ever hear the, you know, the saying too good to be true. He said, and he said, Josh, you know, I'm sure there's an exception to the rule. He said, but we're talking, it's probably very slim. It's, it's probably like a margin of except to the rule one out of every 20 million. He said, if something seems that too good to be true, it is that fantastic, that easy, no effort. And it just is given to you and falls in your lap. It is too good to be true. There's a catch. You got to investigate it. Don't do it. My God, he was right about that one on many instances. The other thing that he taught me was when it comes to government, when it comes to think tanks, which is still basically government and greedy, money hungry, control hungry people that are, I don't, I don't even want to call them people because I, I don't really think that they deserve to be called that. I, I think their evil actually extends far beyond that. Uh, to, to give them that classification, be that, that polite about it. But what he told me was, when it comes to these people, the bureaucrats, the think tanks, uh, the intelligence agencies, the medical uh, industry that is now has been so attached, obviously, because their, their uh, plan is for the WHO, for a medical organization that's not even our countries or other countries, but we're in an agreement with 194 nations that they can control every country and, and rule the world based on medical. And that would include us all provisions, and it is, it's there. That would include a climate change pandemic lockdown. Because somehow you they'd probably work out a way that they could say you're going to get dry skin or eczema, you know, from these oceans that are boiling over that Al Gore speaks of. And I still haven't seen any of those. I saw the ocean in the Pacific Ocean uh, last year when I, in my trip to California, but the water wasn't boiling. It was actually a little chilly. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But he said when these individuals, these groups, uh, these think tanks, these elite, and this was before that people were even really starting to wake up to all this stuff. Uh, he said, when these people, you gotta, you gotta consider like what their magnitude is and what their culpability is, I guess you could say. And in terms of what could later translate to exculpatory evidence, you know, and being able to establish culpability, whatever they have already shown you and shown glimpses of or little previews of, uh, you, you take that times 1,000, and that's what they probably have in terms of capability. If you don't think these people said, you know, if you don't think these people are nuts and they don't already have something far beyond what they're allowing you to know about, you're, you're out of your mind as well. You know, pretty much like if then you might as well you have coming to you what you deserve. Uh, and I have heard many since say that realistically, the level of technological advancements in science, no, not just science, but just you know, technology and science, medical, everything put together in terms of just technology in itself, that these people are most likely at least 100 years ahead of what we are <clears throat> or what we are aware of and what we know about. Which is why I still have my own... Uh, 
my own thinking, my own logic, my own uh, reasonings as to what had happened on 9-11 in New York City and, you know, um, Somerset and in Washington, D.C. And we'll get into those on a, on a different time where I don't want to be uh, kicked off on episode number two of the Masquerade Podcast here on Spotify. That would not be a good thing. So I could also... Uh, get my blog page on WordPress up and running and make it look presentable once again. And I could uh, share a lot of things on there as well. And I'm also, uh, I have a Facebook page. Don't forget to look me up on Facebook. Uh, you can find me there. Go to my group page. I am founder of a group where uh, we've only been running since like February. We got around like 700 people. It's not huge, but it's great people. It's, it's uh, like-minded people. Um, you know, they're great thinkers and they are patriots. They want freedom. They believe in a constitution. They believe in grassroots and work boots. That's the other thing that I preach. Real quick before we go, my presentation for grassroots and work boots is this. We keep being given choices. I, I hear the excuse I hear all the time from somebody and they'll go vote knowing that both candidates or however many candidates are running in that one particular race are all crooks and they'll still go vote for who they think is the best one out of them. And they're like, well, what do you want me to do? I mean, who do I, you gotta vote for somebody? No, you don't. Or we could start actually installing our own candidates like they do. I heard somebody one time say, well, what are we supposed to do? I mean, we can't represent ourselves. We don't know what they do. We can't go there and do all of a sudden we can't become a senator and then go have meetings with other countries and foreign trade. Why can't we? Number one, the greatest America in my guesstimation, uh, in my imagination, in my dream world, maybe and some people might say or a liberal or a Democrat might call me that and say that this is p preposterous. But again, what I just said, advancements in technology are most likely with the ruling elite anyway. And then they're hidden. Advancements in technology are probably a hundred years ahead of what we have ever been allowed to see. And even if they're not, what we have, look around the world and what is going on and everything of the gadgets and the AI and the automations. There is no reason other than maybe diamonds being harvested in Africa. For the most part. There is nothing, in my opinion, that we need bad enough that we can't manufacture here in America on American soil. Which means we don't need all this foreign policy. Do we need protection in case somebody sees our system working and sees that we're not dependent upon somebody else's uh, you know, exports into America and they get mad and they decide that they're going to come after us and threaten our security? Then, yeah, we need some foreign policy in that regard, but we don't need an attorney to do it. Most of these individuals are predetermined attorneys. Or predetermined executives that grew up with trust funds. They grew up, you know, not blue collar, but, but with a silver spoon in their mouth. <clears throat> they were white collar. They grew up in country clubs. And they were predetermined from the time they were born, or shortly after. They were raised for the occasion. And they all go to Yale, they all go to Harvard or Columbia, or all the above. It's either law school, or it's one of those schools in, in their school of business. So many are members of the secret societies, obviously. The, the Skull and Bones, 
<clears throat> we don't need them. There's nothing that they can do that we can't because they're proving it. They're not doing anything effective for us to begin with. So why can't we replace them with ourselves? Think about this. Replace the attorney suits. Replace the business suits with grassroots and work boots. Do you know who I think should be running our country in Congress, in Senate, and in the White House? And the Supreme Court, for that matter. And all the agencies, which I would do away with the agencies that aren't actually going to be directly tied to the government. Why are we, and it's basically a, a subcontractor. Makes no sense. And a reserve would be gone, so would the IRS immediately, the FBI. But here's my logic behind this, okay? Real quickly. The farmer. The plumber, the electrician. The carpenter. The construction worker. The lunchroom lady at the elementary school. Not the teachers and the uh, the board members because they're proven woke. But those are all the people, the blue-collar people that are working their asses off. The homemaker, the stay-at-home mom, the house, you know, the homemaker. Especially for you know the farmer's wife, and they have all those kids, and he's in the, out in the barn in the fields, you know, God only knows how many hours a night every day. Because do you know why? Because they are making a budget, and they are stretching. Their dollars so much further with so little resources. So there's no reason that people like them and us, me, you, I, we, that we can't do that as well. We do not need their suits in Washington. Now, Fetterman, he's a slob and he's a goon. I'm not saying that. We can dress nice once in a while, but we don't need to. But when you have a guy like John Fetterman in Washington as a senator, that ought to tell you something's really wrong with the system. Why can't you and I go do it? How about the barber and the hairdresser, the dentist, the everyday American who has had their back broken, who has made all the sacrifices for these individuals like Nancy Pelosi, who has been in government over 30 years, 36 years now. With a $174,000 a year job before becoming House Speaker, which then amped it up another 20000 but still. And then she leaves with $130 million worth or more. And no, all those years of one hundred dollars or $195,000 does not add up to $135 million. And that's not her and her husband combined, that's individuals. They both are worth that amount, but individually. And that is a broken system, ladies and gentlemen. I love... Being back with the Masquerade, the podcast, it's returning. This is season number four. We are getting a new perspective. And hopefully I will be teaching and helping just open people's eyes. I don't want you to think like me. I don't want you to act like me or look like me. And if you do, I will pray for you because I would really feel bad for you. I just want you to not think like you've been trained and programmed by the, the liberal news media. That's what I want. Think about that. Think about that when you go to bed. Take that with you. And I'll be back with another all-new episode of season number four of the Masquerade Podcast. Welcome to the Masquerade. The most censored man in all of America today. The original Joshie Cox. I am loud and I'm proud and I love my fucking country. Fight back for freedom and let's take it back. Grassroots, work boots, American freedom fighters and anons. God bless America. Good night, everyone.